So good morning, good morning. I am Bro James, BJ is what he said, Brother James, one of the elders here. And I'd like you please to turn in your Bible, your copy of the Bible, whether it be in the chair, your digital Bible, or you can read it on the screen. But look at Psalm chapter 16, Psalm chapter 16. And you're going to find through this series that we have been working through in the book of Psalms, to be more revelatory of God's will for us, more insight into the messianic purpose through the Scripture, and more life-changing, especially as we humble ourselves before the Lord our God. You know, the, the book of Psalms is a book of poems. It's a book of praise. It deals with pain. And there's promises as well of the hope because of God's presence. The Psalms span through the topics dealing with eternity past. They touch on eternity future, the final kingdom with Christ. The Psalms were the last words on the mouth and in the heart of Jesus as he was on the cross. The Psalms teach us to pray. The Psalms teach us to talk to God. The Psalms even teach you to complain. They teach us how to rejoice, how to worship God, how to wonder, cry. And the Psalms use the very words of God, the very words that God himself had penned and put in here because they teach us how to pray and the prayers that God answers. And so as we look through the Psalms, we realize that this is God's language. This is His Word and His will. And it's like a stored up treasure waiting to be opened and to draw out those treasures in order to learn what God says to us about how to live. It's His language and it is how He teaches us to pray. And really, we're going to discover in his, not only his will in the Psalms, but the prayers that he answers. And how can we say, how can I say that these are the prayers that God answers? Because we find it in the scripture, but in 1 John chapter 5, it says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And I say that again. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we're going to find, and we have found already in the Word of God, in the book of Psalms, his will. And you know what? God hears that. And that doesn't mean that the sound just bounces off of his eardrum, but rather he listens to your heart, your cry, your pain, your joy. He hears it and he answers. He responds. And more specifically, we're going to learn in the book of Psalms in chapter 16 how to be safe. Now this dovetails with what Pastor Arthur shared last week in Psalm 91. It really dovetails in his exposition how the Scripture says, can we be saved? And as we learn this, 
we're going to hear how God answers. So I want you to follow along in those copies of, that you have in Psalm chapter 16. And I'm going to read from the scripture. You can find it up on the screen. Beginning verse 1, keep me safe. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints, they are the excellent ones, says the Lord, in whom is all my delight. But the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out nor take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, my heart also instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or to hell, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, friends, I want to tell you as you read Psalm 16 and you read other portions of the Scripture, especially in this one right here, it begs the question, how, how can anyone be safe? How can I be safe? You know, we're the kind of people who plan, we program, we protect things as best we can, and then poof, it's gone. And then we feel unsafe. We swing from feeling to feeling due to these false props that we thought were propping up our lives, these supports, these false securities. It's like superstitions, that is, beliefs that are beyond reasonable understanding. Sometimes we think, we believe actually, that we can make things secure or our lives are secure because of property, because of position, people, power, and they really, they really just can't keep me or keep you or keep anyone safe. And because of these feelings that we experience, especially about being safe, we often feel insecure. We often feel unsure. And I want to say that the Scripture in Psalm 16 specifically answers the prayer for safety. And there are three stages, three stages that we go through, that our lives go through, not only in life now, but in life through eternity, that we need to go through. And these three stages that we need to, in verses 1 through 4, recognize. Recognize God is my refuge. 
Secondly, verses 5 through 7, that we need to return again and again and again to God who is my refreshment. And then the third stage is we need to remain, verses 8 through 11. Remain because God is my right hand. He is at my right hand. But I ask us a question in verses 1 through 4. Do we really, do you really recognize God is your (laughs) refuge? You know, when people are young, and even young children feel this, and we have felt this as well perhaps when we remember that. We remember the prayer, keep me safe. There's an intense feeling, an intense need to feel safe. Kids need that. And kids often express that, keep me safe. But it's interesting, the Scripture says in verse 1, if you look back there, the Scripture says this, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And I add, says the Lord, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply, but their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their name on my lips. You know, we need to begin. We need to begin at the beginning. Whether we are young in age or young in faith, we must begin by recognizing that there is no other refuge but God. Now, recently, Melissa Galler, and I really was encouraged by her testimony, she shared as a young girl how she called out for God to keep her safe. And the good news is that God answered, answered that prayer. We must all begin at the beginning. If we bypass this stage of calling out to the Lord, Lord, keep me safe. If we bypass that stage and we don't recognize that God is the refuge, the refuge from evil and for sin, then often we remain insecure in later trials. Sometimes this is exactly what we're going through. Sometimes people are insecure because they're physically young or emotionally young, and we got that. But quite a few people remain insecure because they're seeking safety, but without Christ. They're seeking props without the person of God. Now, safety is not located in property, position, people, or even in this church. But it's in a relationship with God the refuge. And I want to say this very clearly. All the power of God and all the character of God rests on this, that he keeps safe whoever comes to him. I say it again. He keeps safe whoever comes to him. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 6, whoever comes to me, I will never, never drive away. Friends, there is safety 
their security, their sanctuary, their soul and heart and life protection when we come, when anyone comes to the Lord. Anyone comes to the Lord. And the Apostle Peter is an example of this at this stage because at first Peter, he didn't recognize who Christ was and he wondered who this man was who was upsetting his imagined security. And like people today, Peter was seeking to live a safe life, a secure life in his own business, managing his own life, and Jesus showed up. And he saw, he saw that this man Peter was insecure. And he came to him and taught Peter through his experience that he was insecure without Christ in his life. He was unsure without Christ in his life. And he showed him through the miracle of the fish in which he caught hundreds, no, thousands of fish just because Jesus entered that man's life. And you know how Peter reacted? How Peter responded? And Brother Arthur shared this last week. It says here, when Simon Peter saw that miracle catch of the fish, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Lord, I am a sinful man. I am a sinful boy or a sinful girl or a sinful woman. Peter recognized Christ as the only one who could forgive his sin, who could keep him safe from himself, to keep me safe from myself. All the things that Peter and we have propped up in our lives, all the things that we have thought were secure, but Peter recognized that those were not security because standing in front of him, standing right there was the safety. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And Peter responded by following him. You know, Peter recognized that Christ is the refuge. He is the refuge like the psalm is saying to us, but have we? God wants to keep us safe, and I can say that because the psalm said it. The command form is in that very first verse in which the psalm writer gives a command to God, though he cannot command it, but he can beg it, and he said, Lord, keep me safe. And when I say to you that the Scripture writes not only these prayers that we can pray, but these prayers that we can ask God with expectation that He will answer because He's revealing His will. And yes, God wants to keep us safe. But many are still seeking security, meaning, and value in this life, perhaps we ourselves, but I want to say again, if we bypass this stage, if we still experience insecurity, not only now, but it also may be for eternity, we must start or begin at the beginning. Come to the beginning. Come to the safety. Come to Jesus Christ. This is the solution. Start at the start. 
And if you haven't, or if you need to again, begin by recognizing that only there's only safety in having Jesus and not the stuff of this world. Not this stuff. 16, verse 6, chapter 16, verse 2 says, In you I take refuge. Apart from you, I have no good. You know, the psalmist was writing to God, and we're going to find later on that the psalmist is writing of the Messiah Christ himself. He is the good refuge, the good shepherd, and he delights to give safety. He delights to give us refuge. It is not something that he holds back. He's not penurious. He's not cheap with us. He wants and gives and delights in giving safety to us. And that's why verse 3 says it this way. Because it's the Lord himself who is saying this in verse 3. The saints, that is those who come to me, the saints are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. My delight resides in them. God delights in answering prayer. God delights in beginning us at the beginning. In this first stage, recognize Christ is the refuge. And there's a second stage, and that is to return to God's refreshment, verses 4 or 5 through 7. And it's sort of prefaced by verse 4. If we look back in verse 4, and I say look back because I know you're following along in your copy of the Scripture. And verse 4 says this, the sorrows, the heartaches of those who run after another God shall multiply. But their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. Do we have sorrows? Do we have sorrows increased because we've been running after the filth of this world in our bodies? Blood is on our hands. Or filth has even been upon our own minds, in our minds and lips. Well, frankly, the answer is yes. We're all sullied. We've all sinned. But there is hardly, there is an hourly hope in returning to the refreshment, to God's refreshment through Christ. Now, safety is established in that first stage, where that first stage we recognize, you are my Lord. I have no good, nothing good aside from you. But we must continue to grow. We must continue to learn. We must continue to return and return and return and return to the refreshment in Christ. You know, as we grow chronologically, we also need to grow spiritually. Now, in choices in our youth, we might have chosen like French fries and, and friends and fun. But as we grow Sometimes the choices of our refreshment are more serious. Some are life-altering. Some may even steal our safety. But God answers the prayer for safety. He answers that prayer for safety. Verse 5, 
The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold, you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Even in the night, my heart also instructs me. So Peter provides another example. Peter goes on in his life in the beginning stage where he had followed Christ, but then he had to make a more important choice. Then he had to continue making a more important choice. Would he, the choice was this, would he return and return to Christ for a refreshment? Good question. Would we return to Christ for refreshment? Will you? So in John chapter 6, Jesus told Peter and those disciples who were listening, he told them they had to choose him only. Him only. They couldn't have it all ways or both ways or a variety of ways. They had to choose Jesus. And I know Jesus asked this question because he asked us this question. Does this offend you? Does it offend you to choose Jesus? Now many have been offended and to be told they have to follow Christ. And I want to say I think that this is probably the greatest offense that happened not only in your life, my life, but in the lives of people we know to have to choose Jesus. Because people ask all the time, can't I have or can't I live any way I like? Do I have to choose Jesus? And the answer is, really, there's no refreshment of this stale life, of this stale living, outside of returning again and again and again to Christ. Now, sometimes that word repentance comes into the play of these returning. But returning or repenting is just returning, is just turning back and returning to the source of Christ, the refreshment for life. Only Christ, only Jesus can fill your, like the psalmist says, can fill your cup, can fill your life. Arthur shared this as well last week in Psalm chapter 91, because Peter did choose to return. He said this, to the question, does this offend you, Peter? Does this offend you, people? Does this offend you, world? And how did Peter answer? He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. So who else are you going to go to? Huh? Where else? What else? Do you have? Does it offend you? <laughs> if you're not offended, then maybe you don't have blood. But if you're offended, be aware of the fact that that is the Spirit of God saying, to who else can I go but to you? For you alone, Lord, have the words of eternal life. So it's a good question. Have we chosen to return again and again to the Lord? Is it the only portion 
that we want, or are we still divided? There is unique refreshment in Christ when we choose to return to Him again and again. You can call it repentance. You can call it making up your mind. You can call it turning to Him. The point is, do it! For He is the one who has eternal life. And again, drink from His cup. That is the Word of God. Verse 5 says it this way. The Lord is my chosen portion, my cup. Right now, He's offering safety by choosing Him. Now, people think, I made the choice when I was young. Do I have to make it again? Do I have to make up my mind again to follow Christ? Well, let me answer by saying the Lord, the Lord is security. He is safety. But if our behavior is insecure, if our behavior is unsafe, then we may be indicating that we do not want, that we do not want to return to Christ for refreshment. And our lives tend to become bitter. If we admit it, many of us have been making choices of words and wounds and ways of life that make us bitter, make this world bitter. But there is safety. There is safety in returning again and again and again and again in repentance, turning to Him simply to the Lord. Now, verse 6 does more than just expand. It explodes the idea of what safety feels like because the psalmist says this, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. God's refreshment is so safe. His refreshment provides so tremendous a protective boundary. Literally, the word is lines. You know, the scripture is not describing a prosperity gospel. It's not describing a metaphorical, a sort of a kumbaya feeling. It is not describing what I experienced in Cuba just recently where santaria and voodoo is common where incantations and prayers and money is paid and alcohol and so forth in order to manipulate something to get my security increased. No, this is not what Scripture is describing. But it's literally like a hedge or a fence that was placed around Job that we find even a man like Job experienced this protection of God. God places lines around those who come to him. And let me say to the skeptic, these are not restrictive lines forcing one to follow Jesus. These are not lines that cannot be broken because we can break them with our own selfish activities, our own insecure behaviors. But instead... They are the pleasant lines, the pleasant care, the care in the arms of God, shielding and protecting, who loves us, who died for us. This is the security 
the pleasant security that he gives. Let's face it. Most pleasant things in life aren't things. But they're eternal souls. The one eternal soul, that is the Son of God, is the only one who gives grace to enjoy the eternal inheritance in this life with those who you love and want to love and for eternity, future with each other and when we come to Him because that is why Jesus pleaded with all humanity when He said, come unto Me, not unto a gimmick, come unto Me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, and you will find rest for your souls. And so we need to pass through these stages, this stage of returning again. Are you ready to return again? Are you going to return again? There's refreshment. The third stage is this, verses 8 through 11. To remain, to remain. The psalmist says, you are at my right hand. God is my right hand, verses 8 through 11. So we begin by recognizing God is the refuge. God is it. You are my refuge. I have no good, no good beside thee. And we return to God's refreshment, and He keeps safe those who keep coming to Him. But we must, we must come back, and the safest of places is to remain with Him. You know, by analogy, marriages are safer when we remain married. Husbands are safer when they remain connected to that lovely lady and so is the wife. Churches are safer when we remain in the Word of God. We are safer when we remain with Him. He is my right hand at all times. Verse 8 says it this way. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh, literally the body, also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or to hell. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Are you tired? Am I tired of flipping and flopping back and forth from one to another opinion because you or I don't know what is correct? Like the person who's not sure if they want to be married. They're not sure if they want to be pure. They don't know if they want to be sober. They may say it, but they don't act it. From youth to old age, they flip around, flop around, and they upset themselves and others. And nothing seems to be sure or set or solid except being dead set 
against submission to God or to others. When we set our eyes upon the Lord Jesus, Christ is at our right hand. That means that He is the immediate go-to person. He is the immediate choice every time that we come against a conflict or a concern or even a thanks and a praise. He is the one who we always check with in His Word. He's the one who we always pray to for His will. He's at the right hand because we always rest in His care. And God gives peace when he is that at the right hand or the go-to person. Verse 9 says it, my flesh, literally my body, is secure. Jesus cares even for the physical body. He protects and provides all that matters. God answers, and God answers Jesus' prayers. Have you seen in the Scripture how when Jesus calls on the Father, God answers Or we find revealed in the scripture that God answers later. That's why Jesus said this in John 17. Holy Father, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. Now I want to say to the skeptic like me, or maybe to the skeptic here, all of this seems a little too great to believe. At least that's what has been posed to us in our own perhaps skeptical minds. Does God really keep someone safe just by asking? So the the one who has been suffering in body and in heart, all of this might seem a little too fanciful, too much sort of like that comic book hero that comes to rescue or protect. Unless, unless there is one, there is someone who can keep us safe, who can make this happen, who in real flesh and blood, in real time and in real history can do this. And the answer is God keeps safe by faith in the one who personally suffered, who personally suffered to keep us safe and who still suffers for us. Jesus, the Messiah. And that's why you may have sensed in the book of Psalm in the latter portion, it seems to shift from the Psalm writer speaking of himself to speaking of another. Perhaps this other, this someone, this God in the flesh who personally came to suffer to keep us safe. And the answer is yes, Because in the biblical prophecy, we find out that he who did suffer in the flesh, he who did bleed in the flesh, he who did come, it is he, the Messiah, the Messiah himself who came. And then we read in verse 9 in which we we change the understanding of the personal pronouns to those which are God's. Pronouns. Let me share with you verse 9. Therefore, capital M, capital M, my heart, God's heart is glad. And my, capital M, my whole being rejoices. And capital M, my flesh, Jesus says, 
dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul, capital M, my soul to hell, nor let your Holy One, capital H, capital O, the Holy One, see corruption. You will make known to me, God is saying, the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. You know, scholars in the Old Testament and in the New Testament have agreed that this refers to the Messiah. Even those Old Testament scholars who had no wisdom or information of the New Testament had agreed that this is referring to the Holy One, the only one who did not decay in the grave, the only one who did not go to hell, the only one who's in God's presence, Christ, the only one who did die, the only one who did go to the grave, the only one who did rise to life and who does keep safe those who come to him. So let's face it. Everyone wants safety. This world is suffering for lack of safety. But it's not possible with property, power, position, people, or superpowers. The only one, the only person who provides it is one person, God in the flesh, the Messiah. And Psalm 16 closes by stating it in this manner, that it is the Messiah, Christ himself, who is the personal guarantor, the one who personally guarantees our safety because he is not just promising a program of safety. He is safety. So Memorial Day was just this last Monday. And those who regularly peril their own lives for safety of others like police, those who work in fire mitigation, medical professions, and those who are in the military. One guy I'm thinking of in particular was an infantryman. His name is Kyle Fernandez. He was with me in Afghanistan. And I want to tell you, for those who probably know this and some who do not, but the average infantry lifespan in combat is not more than a few seconds. So infantry life, if you got what I mean, is intrinsically unsafe. <laughs> and military, I've have had this experience, and I experienced this personally with Kyle because the day that something happened was no different. It was an unsafe day because the squad had to counterattack a Taliban mortar position. And the raging battle that took place was eventually successful. But Kyle went to his squad leader later that evening to Sergeant Brian Hobbs, and he said to Sergeant Hobbs that he was afraid to die. Well, Hobbs was one of my Bible study leaders. And Hobbs, prior to that, was one who had talked to his squad about giving their hearts to Christ. But that was the moment that Kyle asked about it. And so he led Kyle to Christ on that hill 
in a place called Shawalikat in the middle of dirty and dusty Afghanistan. But what took place is interesting the next day because Kyle took a piece of paper and he wrote a letter to his wife. And I'll summarize it by saying some of the words that came out of that letter. He said, Celeste, I'm now going to church. And I gave my life to Christ. And Celeste, I'm sorry for the way I treated you before, but I am so looking forward to renewing our marriage. I love you. I love you, Kyle. I know about this letter because the fellow soldiers found it on Kyle's body the following week when he and Hobbes both died in an explosive device. But I want to tell you, friends, and those listening, the soldiers who were at that memorial were the ones who testified that Kyle was different. He was safe because of Christ, his refuge. And I say this because I ask us, I ask me, I ask anyone the question, are you safe? Am I safe? Well, God answers the prayer for safety, and it starts this way. Recognize Christ is refuge. Return to him. Christ is refreshment. And remain, remain with him. Christ is at my right hand. So God answers prayer. And I want to say in this, the prayer book of God, he answers these prayers. God answers prayer for safety now and through eternity future, through Jesus the Messiah, who didn't just say this is a great idea, but he suffered personally to provide safety, eternal safety. So now is the time to call on him. Now is the time to ask him to answer according to his revealed will. Written right here in the scripture, and he will answer. So when Jesus prays, the Father answers. And I would say it this way. When everything that Jesus prays for us stays for us. So I ask you to come to him. I ask you to commit your life to him. I ask you to do it quietly or publicly. But as the prayer team comes forward right now, I just ask you in your own heart to pray together to the Lord who hears your call for safety. So let's come before him and pray. And as we pray, after I pray, you're dismissed to either join with the prayer teams or dismissed to continue this blessed day in the Lord Jesus. So Father in heaven, we come before you as the great Safety. You are safety. There is no other safety, for you alone have the words of eternal life. Give us great grace in the confusion of our times to come to you and to bring people to you. And we praise you and we worship you, for you are not only safety, you are refreshment, you are the right hand. We thank you and we praise you. We glorify you and we worship you for you are our safety. And we thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Have a blessed day.